Frightening sounds echo through the halls. This is the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. Hey, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Theme Park Loopy podcast. And today I'm joined by Dan, by Sam, and also by Charlie, who's not been on the podcast for a while. We're going to be talking about a few different news items, and then we're also going to be talking about European parks, or European mainland, uh, should I say, and whether European mainland parks are better than UK parks, or vice versa. So we're going to talk a bit about that. But first, before we kick off on our first news item, I'm going to introduce the people in the room. So, Dan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thank you. Um, and yeah, I, I've forgotten how long it's been since Charlie's been on the show. It's been like a year since I've spoken to Charlie, and I've only just now realised that. So, uh, yeah, h- hello, Charlie. Uh, and I'll, I'll pro- possibly just hand it straight over to, to you, given the, the massive absence in the uh, in the show running. Yeah, so it's definitely been a while. It's uh, great to be back, you know, nice to talk to everybody. I've talked to you a little bit on um, on Messenger, but uh, we, we haven't talked on here for a while, definitely. Uh, I've just been off on the big big Euro trip, hence why I've got all the news for, uh, for the mainland Europe there. We've got a bit of Germany, some Belgium, France, the Netherlands, a bit of everywhere. He's been on a world tour, but in Europe. That's what Charlie's been doing. <laughs> it's a lot of driving. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine, I can imagine. And uh, Sam, live from his cocoon, uh, his bed cocoon. How are, you, how are you doing, Sam? Hello, hello. I'm here. I'm in the bed cocoon once again um, so that the uh, air conditioning in my room doesn't uh, block up the um, recording space. Charlie, good to have you here. It's been so long. Oh, my it goodness. Has. It's, been, uh, it's been a very long time. I was just been used <laughs> Picturing you then as the as the cocooned person with the the quilt wrapped around you and just the head emerging outwards. <laughs> quite literally, you're literally quite in a cocoon. I, I'm going to start sweating very soon, but that's okay. Um, Charlie, the last time I ever saw you, you were very excited. We were at Flamingo Land, and we were I think we were straddling park benches and doing trivias and uh, riding all sorts of roller coasters together. How are you, my friend? What's been happening? I'm very good. I remember that day. We, we went on a cliffhanger. <laughs> that was it. And uh, your reaction was absolute gold. Well, Charlie, you know me and Drop Towers. And it was, I think at that, I think at that time, that was my first SNS I've ever, I, I'd ever been on. And nobody warned me because prior to that, I've, I'd been on Destinator at Thorpe Park um, in the south of England. Uh, but I'd never actually been a that far north of England, but also being on SNS Shot Tower. So that was me thinking, sat next to Charlie, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be chill. We're just going to slowly climb." Oh no, I was wrong. This thing shot 
like an absolute beast unreal so yeah i'm sorry about your ears and i've hoping i've hope they've uh, recovered uh it's not uh, it's not a bad one that it's got a bit of kick it's got more uh more kick than ice blast at uh, blackpool last a time i went on kick. that that one had um no kick charlie <laughs> a bit of kick a bit of kick bonkers anyway <laughs> we'll have to do something again soon please yeah definitely well... definitely we'll have to all arrange uh to meet up somewhere yeah, it might have to be another Flamingoland trip maybe as well on the horizon. Um, yeah, Cliffhanger oh, I'll, I'll is... I'll do my best. We'll have to see if we get accosted by Gordon. Right, who's Gordon? Gib. You know, uh, right, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apparently the last time I was there, he was looking for me, so... Why? For a good reason or a bad reason? <laughs> it, it's just... Um... I think he's just a bit sore that my video sick got more views than his... Uh, okay, so that's why he's looking for you, he wants to tell you off about your video. Probably. <laughs> it's quite funny how that happened, but you know. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, um, right, well, let, let's kick off then. So the first news item, I don't know if this is a news item or not. We've talked an awful lot about Valhalla. Um, but, I mean, aside from... It's had a few days where it seems to have had no issues whatsoever, but apparently over this weekend, it's it's been stopping and restarting and not a lot of the effects have been working. Why do we think this is the case? And, and some people have had some very uh, strong views on Valhalla. A couple of them have actually suggested that they should have actually just torn Valhalla down and put another ride in there. Um, so... Do you, what what can Pleasure Beach do, like to bring Valhalla back to being not as temperamental as it has been lately? Uh, I don't think that they can tear tear Valhalla down. I don't think that that's happening. So I don't I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. To fix it now, that is um, as ambitious as his plan was to build it. Uh, apparently, Intamin were never really very happy with the design. They reckon that at this point they could get it to work. Mm, game six months, maybe. Uh, that seems to be about an intermin time scale for working out these kind of issues, doesn't it? So next yeah, season I, it might be good. Yeah, and I don't know if they've actually had intermin down as part of the reimagination. I mean, they they've obviously got rid of one of the turntables, changed another one of the turntables, so. Have have Intamin been involved in doing that? I presume because it's their track. I believe it was Intamin that got called in to do it. From the things that I've heard, yeah. I mean, I mean, the the, the Intamin engine is apparently never been very happy with that um, design that that Jeff wanted. The concept to be a very ambitious ride. I mean, we are talking about a ride that was built quite a long time ago. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the problem is that the, you're working with old infrastructure and that's that's probably something that's making things more difficult for them. Uh, I mean, to take it out of scratch, rebuild a ride, I, I don't see that happening, though. Not at the minute. You've got to hand it uh, to Blackpool Pleasure Beach because I've never been on the ride. Full disclosure, okay, I've never been on the old version, nor have I been on the new version. So I am coming from this from a completely blind perspective in terms of what the actual ride entails. 
But from an outsider point of view, I want to talk to some of the the fandom and some of the things that have been happening where people seem to be blaming Pleasure Beach and saying, oh, let's knock it down because they can't do it right. Or, you know, obviously the park didn't purposefully rebuild or or retrack it or refit it or redo it with the intention that it was going to fail. If anything, um, this was a mega attraction that put the park on the map, you know, um, just like Big One put Blackpool Pleasure Beach also on the map. Um, arguably, I would say in terms of a, in terms of dark ride history, certainly in the UK and in Europe, if not in the world, this was this caught so much attention uh, within the industry um, when it opened. So I really don't appreciate when fan sites and fandoms say, oh, well, you've not done it to the incredible high standards that we expected. Um, you know, so just knock it down, what a waste of money, what a waste of time. Actually, if anything, I think, you know, good on Blackpool Pleasure Beach for trying to upkeep something that is so iconic to their park's history and heritage that they have been. We, we know that's what Blackpool are very proud of and that can, they continue to do to take care of their classic woodies and, and keep their heritage alive. I mean, lucky to have that. So I think it's somewhat unfair for some of these fan sites and, and, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion, of course, but I think it's, it's to say, knock it down and get rid of it and, and whatever is, is extreme just because they haven't met the exact criteria and standards of what the fans were looking for when they are having to build something up that was built, you know, decades ago. You know, it's almost like trying to reach an impossible standard that is never going to be met. I don't know. That's just my, my feelings. I think that's uh, it's an interesting take, Sam, because I think you're you're looking at it from someone who's actively worked in theme parks a long time. You you probably you know you're you're seeing things from the other way around. You're seeing you know. Uh, people who are trying to put together an attraction for for customers and probably having a bit of a challenge doing it whilst as the rest of us are really looking at it from you know uh, people who are fans of rides who are wanting that that great experience and i think some of these issues are just born out of frustration aren't they uh, a lot of people will have booked holidays to blackpool pleasure beach just to go on on that one ride and if it's not meeting their standards then they'll you know they'll they'll say things out of frustration and it's been offline for so long and it's hard to imagine how, you know, this much time and energy has been put into a ride and it's still not really working. I, th I think to defend Blackpool, uh, it, it is a very complicated ride. Uh, it's not new. They've had to, uh, you know, try and try and bring old track and old, you know, old uh, assets back up and running with, with new assets. And it, I guess it, it is a, it is a challenge it's disappointing that it's it's clearly not there this season, um, and I, I think I think Charlie's right. It'll probably be a lot better next year. Um, I think they should keep pushing. Uh, I think it's good that fans are criticising it. Hopefully, it'll keep you know everyone everyone on the toes, and I, I hope that that all of this time and effort finally does make a fantastic ride. Uh, it just won't happen. 
as quickly as we were all hoping it, it it would have you know we were all hoping that it would be this year and it would be great and it just doesn't seem to have happened yeah and i think i think the point is where people are coming from is that um like like disneyland um blackpool pleasure beach shouldn't become um a museum you know so it shouldn't necessarily keep classic rides or this, this isn't quite a classic ride but they shouldn't necessarily keep hold of older rides just because they're older if they could potentially replace it with something that would draw crowds in, I guess. I guess that's the angle that people are coming from. I guess the problem is is that I think in the general public size, I still think Valhalla is quite an appealing ride. I don't think it's really seen as... Even though it is quite old. I mean, it's not well, it's 20-odd years old. But I still think from the public size who maybe go to Blackpool Pleasure Beach once a year or every couple of years. I think people still see it as a relatively new ride. Um, the other thing is, I, I was thinking about this earlier, is that I think as fans, um, we kind of know what every every type of effect that should be happening, like when the fire should be happening, like when the smoke should be happening, when the snow should be happening and so on. I think the general public don't know that. And I think if it's still a fun ride, then they're still going to enjoy it. I think where it becomes a problem, though, is if it's breaking down a lot and people are being evacuated and the queues are too long. And it's kind of one thing, 50% of the effects working, but it actually working, which I think you can kind of get away with. I think it's another thing when it's clear that things are not working well and actually frustrating guess because they've been queuing i think someone was saying today they'd been queuing for quite a long time and then it broke down and then it broke down again 10 minutes later and it just gets to a point where you're thinking like you know it just kind of makes you feel fed up and especially because it's not it's not cheap is it to go to blackpool pleasure beach or any other theme park um Mm, so you've got to consider that a little bit you know so people are going to be frustrated i guess yeah it's it's very disappointing when you wait for ride and then and then it keeps breaking down and then you you're still in the queue and then you get to the front of the queue and then it breaks down and then you've waited and you didn't get on the ride that's you know a very frustrating experience for people. What's quite cool. So I was going to ask what the, what the queue policy is when that happens at Blackpool. Um, go get in another queue. Yeah, right. Um, pretty much. So what we're talking about here is is really an operational issue, right? Is the idea of that you've overpromised and underdelivered, underdelivered, right? So the park has um, promised the attraction, the attraction breaks down, which therefore affects your day, and the recovery process, into, from the guest point of view, is that you can go and queue up for another ride. There is no guest recovery, which there must be guest recovery. I'm sure Blackpool has their own policies of guest recovery, um, but. Uh, I still think, operational issues aside, um, it doesn't warrant them the idea of knocking it down and um, completely getting rid of of work they've already done. You know what I mean? Um, yes, okay, there's always going to be operational issues, but there's going to be operational issues with every ride. No, no ride is perfect. And I understand it's frustrating when rides keep breaking down and you keep having to have maintenance. And it's hard to keep up on that maintenance, but every ride has teething issues. And this is a particularly high spec ride that they need to work out the teething issues. So really, again, operational issues do not quantify knocking down a ride 
that they've already spent millions and millions and millions of pounds on to just start afresh. Um, because ultimately, operational issues can be sorted out. Um, I, I don't as the think right it's case. exactly an operational issue. It's it, the ride seems to shut down a lot. You get me? That's that's. Um, this doesn't mean there's mechanical fault. I, I think this is very much a sensor issue. You get me? All the rides are full of sensors. I think most of the parks would tell you the most annoying issues that they get on rides is, oh, there's nothing wrong with the ride, but this sensor is uh, not going to let us do anything. And then they have to I'm, wait. They I, have I understand that, but to challenge your point, to challenge your point, Charlie, um, if I may, um, your main frustration when you visited the park, yes, was was due to the fact that it affected your day in the sense of it kept breaking down, it kept on queuing, it kept on breaking down, and then your only option was to move to another ride, right? Because there was either, in your eyes, no recovery policy. So my my point is, is that is the fault on the way that they manage the queue and manage the guest expectations and their communication when it comes to technical difficulties within the ride, or is the fault on them needing to get rid of the ride completely because it's having too many operational issues, which is a whole separate matter. Like hardware issues, sorry, not operational. No, I, I, I don't think they need to get rid of the ride. What they probably need to look into, at least at certain points in the ride, is I have a feeling that they're using these old type sensors, which don't work great necessarily with the water rides because it's to do with reflection. So the ones in Valhalla probably work particularly poorly because they're in the dark with the lights. Um, so if they address that issue, which I'm, I'd imagine is something that Intamin are working on, but like I said, it'll probably take them a while because they'll they'll not want to refit the whole thing. They'll have to try and do that, refit certain parts, but then they have to make that work with the current ride system, which is a much older one. Yeah, yeah. I've, well, I mean, it's definitely frustrating. Um, hopefully, they've identified things that they can do, and and like you've said. Hopefully this season they'll continue to fix the issues and maybe next season we'll see a much more reliable ride. But also another place that's changing at the moment is Oakwood Theme Park. They're investing uh, £2 million into retracking Megaphobia, which is their main wooden roller coaster in that park. Very popular, very highly rated i think also there's going to be some other investments in the park as well not in terms of new rides i don't think but at the moment it looks like they're investing in the rides that they have at the moment it sounds like they're doing a bit of the opposite of what lightwater valley did uh with the ultimate um and some of their other rides um you know like um what the like um the rat um what was it called after the rat <laughs> i can't remember what the hell they called it some sort of uh what was it called wasn't that a dinosaur ride it was uh that's just lost i've lost the fault oh, the i'm sure the, the last time raptor, I... raptor attack oh okay yeah, that's it. yeah i'm sure when i was last there it was the rat maybe i'm misremembering yeah yeah um so yeah so it so... A rat and then it was raptor attack that they rethemed it to raptor um that's attack, the first yeah. coaster that they ever put in at lightwater valley yeah, yeah. So, so unlike with uh, Raptor Attack, which they got rid of, um, you know, um, Lightwater Valley decided to get rid of uh, some of their more thrilling rides and have kind of leveraged into that family market. I think the speculation was that Oakwood were going to do the same, but it looks like they're actually investing 
in the thrill rides. Also, I think there was some speculation that Drayton Manor were going to pivot a lot more to the family market, but they've kind of pulled back a little bit as well. So what do we think about these investments in Oakwood theme park? This is the only major theme park in Wales. Um, it would be a shame if it wasn't invested in. Do we think this is good news and do we think Oakwood has a bright future? I'm interested to see what they do in Megaphobia, right? Because that's a, that's a CCI, Custom Coasters International one, but it's Gravity Group that's coming in to retrack them. Um, I'm wondering if they get new trains. That could be interesting. Um, obviously, Gravity Group, they do a lot of the like really, um, really steep overbanks on theirs as well. So maybe we get one of those on there. Could be interesting. Um, that'd be like Teneri to Zeus, which is at Park Asterix. Asterix uh, which I did really enjoy. It made uh, was different to a GCI, definitely different experience. So yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Obviously, they have another roller coaster they probably need to address. There, that one was a problem last year. I uh, don't really know if we want to get into that one at the moment, though. Yeah, I think um, I've seen that Speed has been given um, a repaint. Um, although the paint color that I saw was not as vibrant as the last one, so I don't know if that was meant to be an undercoat or. It is actually that dark, um, but it didn't look as appealing as it used to do, I guess. I like the music that plays around speed. It reminds me of uh, the music on the Mega Drive when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's got that Sega bass to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. A bit like Spinball. I, I really liked Oakwood when I went. So I went uh, quite a few years back, um, 2017 or 16. So that is quite a few years back. And um, we happened to go, so to cut a long story short, we were camping at a, at a, at a, at a surf festival. Not that I surf, come on. <laughs> I was just there for the beer. Anyway, um, we were camping. <laughs> and I hate camping too, so it was just a great time. And on our drive back, we essentially had had such a bad time at this festival. <laughs> because I don't like surfing. Um, we decided that we would just, we randomly Googled, we were like, there's got to be a theme park nearby. Um, and I was with my, my boyfriend at the time. And um, we, we found that there's the park called Oakwood. Now we didn't really know much about it. And so it was amazing when we got there to find that you had to go on this you know, train to get to the park. And, um, and the whole place was empty. It was completely empty. So we did the whole park in two hours. But Megaphobia, that lake area, if, you're, if you've ever been to the park, to give you a description, or maybe there's some international listeners out there, they have um, Megaphobia, which is their main wooden coaster. It's very, very iconic, I would say, within the lineup of coasters in the UK. It's wonderful. It's quite short and it's very punchy. But the most beautiful thing about it is it sits right on a lake and then you can get little pedal boats and pedal next to the coaster as it goes around and get really nice views of the coaster which pedal boats were great um and i thought all i thought every attraction they had was actually really solid like there wasn't loads but for what they had it was really good and i think it's really nice that a that the park is understanding and realizing what they've got as their main kind of assets and what works and that they're actually taking the time and money to keep those going strong um kind of on a similar theme to to uh to other parks but um but uh you know of course there's going to be new investments hopefully for them down the road but i think it's lovely that they're putting the time and money in to 
you know, revamp what they've got and make Megaphobia even more mega. Have you been on Megaphobia, Dan? So I have never been to, to Oakwood and I'm looking at, at a map as as I speak and it looks amazing. It looks like a really nice park. Um, I think sort of going, going back to, to Ryan's question about, about sort of developments there, I think it's really important that they don't go down the Lightwater Valley route because I, I think for Lightwater Valley, it's it, it's worked financially for them, but it's just gut wrenching seeing like classic rides that, in my opinion, should be like heritage status rides get torn down. Like it's like tearing down a part of your childhood. So you know, I, I don't have any emotional attachments to Oakwood. Um, I would, I would like them to have a diverse range of rides. I don't want too many theme parks to go down the the, the route of sort of the the financially sound. Let's go for the kids, you know, the the the, the very the very low maintenance kids kids route. I think potentially short term it works quite well, but I'm I'm worried about the long term. Um, so I, I guess that's my two cents. I, I don't have a lot of, of info to add on this one other than I, I feel like I need to go to, to Oakwood and actually experience the place. It is a nice park. Uh, they've, got, they've got nice um, scenery there, obviously. Uh, it's just sort of nestled away in Pembrokeshire down uh, down some little lanes. Um does tend to be quite quiet. It was quite quiet when I went. It was in the, the very strange times of... Uh, 2020 there when uh, when things had just reopened so uh yeah i think it wasn't really like a normal day when i went as such the the little train wasn't even on you had to walk into the park so oh, i hate when parks make you walk places <laughs> do you know what i was i was i was saying to shelly about this um earlier that i i really like it when you have to travel on something else into the park like what that's one of the things i kind of i don't like about flamingo land or pleasure beach is that you kind of you kind of park up and then you're in the park um and the at flamingo land the car park is almost like on top of the park like you you're like sort of on top of a hill kind of looking at it so i like that at um disney world for example if you go to magic kingdom that you, you park quite far away and then you can either get on a on a monorail or you can get on the boat which i think is the best way of going to magic kingdom so i quite like that so it's good um okay so let's let's move on to our our other topic then um around european theme parks i mean i when we're talking about places like awkward flamingoland blackpool pleasure beach they're kind of one tier um, of uh, parks. Maybe some would argue that maybe Alton Towers, Fort Park, maybe because they're part of an international conglomerate, maybe they'd be in a sort of different tier. Do we do we think that these parks compare to European parks um, favorably? Because I did uh, a poll on both Instagram and Twitter. There were a few people that said that UK theme parks were better than mainland europe theme parks but the vast vast majority said that they felt that european theme parks were far and above and beyond uh what you would see in the uk i guess you've kind of got to wait that a little bit because there's obviously a lot more parks in europe so i suppose the way that you've got to think about it is 
well, how does the weather compare? The kind of standard of rides, uh, park to park comparison, because obviously you could say, well, this park at Euro, this this ride at Europa Park is really good. This this ride at uh, Port of Ventura is really good, and then you kind of picking and choosing. So I guess what we want to do is kind of compare park to park and whether we think any UK park would actually compete with a European park. So, um, Sam, you've you've been to a few different European parks. Obviously, Disneyland Paris is a key one as well. How do you think that UK parks compare overall to the mainland European parks? Yeah, so I actually think this is a really interesting question and a great topic for debate. Um, I would personally say in terms of a UK park that matches the standards of other European parks would be Alton Towers in terms of what we've got. And now actually possibly Chessington Wild Adventures because they are the two parks that are, in my opinion, the best uh, in terms of theming. And theming is a real, is the real kind of point that I wanted to bring up here because European parks, it's a very vague and broad kind of thing because some European parks will have less theming than others. But the by and large of, if we're talking about the core European parks, so Europa Park, Efteling, um, you know, sure, Disneyland Paris, um, uh, Park Asterix, um, um, Plopsyland, Japan, you know, even things like that, the, the level of theming is is far 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 superior than what we have in the uk um as i say obviously that the the exceptions to those perhaps that could be on the same level uh is alton towers and chesterton um but i think that's the main thing that drives our parks apart from european parks is 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 the lack of theming um and the lack of storytelling that we that we seemingly miss here in the uk even with attractions that are story based and that are based around an IP perhaps, they still lack that same level of quality that you would experience. However, I do also want to quickly bring up, and I've talked a lot this podcast, so I don't want to kind of take up all the all the airspace, but um, is there also a little bit of a a situation where the grass is always greener, meaning that if someone from the UK or from, I don't know, further afield uh, outside of Europe has traveled to Europe uh, to go to an international park, are they going to see it with rose tinted glasses because of the fact that they've traveled to the park? And therefore, if it doesn't live up to their standards, are they then going to feel disappointed? So to save them from disappointment, you know, it's going to be good no matter what. Just as like if a an American came to, for example, came to um, Alton Towers and saw our kind of heritage and the fact that it is a real castle and a real place and a real towers and it's this beautiful thing that's totally different to what they've got in their country. Um, would they then think that Alton Towers is fantastic because because it's so different? That's what I mean. So um, I think that's an interesting point of question there is, yes, the quality is quite clearly different, but also is that is the idea that European parks are better, is that accentuated by the fact that it's just because it's not on our doorstep and we have to travel to it, therefore making it a destination as opposed as opposed to somewhere we can just pop by. 
They're just my thoughts. It's definitely interesting when you get to go somewhere new uh, as opposed to somewhere where you've been. Uh, I mean, like any of us, we've been to Blackpool Pleasure Beach or Alton Towers or, you know, any of the UK ones probably any number of times. Uh, so it's always always interesting when you get, get to go new places. There's a, there's a sense of wonder to that as opposed to uh, the things that you see all the time that are more terrestrial to you. Um, in terms of Americans coming and looking at somewhere, a, a lot of them, that, like, like with Alton Towers, would probably get close to it and be like, why can't you see it yet? Because the Americans are very into scale. So that's that's why they have a lot of the very tall coasts. It's like you've got to have a, a big thing to put at the front of the park for people to look at. Whereas obviously Alton Towers works completely against that principle. You're not allowed to see anything from the outside of the park. You've got to stay below tree level. Well, one thing I will say, and one thing that I wanted to uh, speak about um, is if, and this is just a pure shout out and a bit of a, a love, is um, if you've ever been to Efteling and you've got to ride the Flying Dutchman, um, it is, in my opinion, one of the most unusual, unique, and amazing dark ride coaster uh, experiences I've ever been on. And not only that, but I honestly believe that is one of the most detailed and interesting queue lines you can ever go on for so many different reasons. Like from start to finish that ride, from the queue experience all the way through to the actual, the coaster to the dark ride elements is superb. And I'm not gonna say anything about, about it anymore because if you haven't been on it, You've got to try and stay spoiler free if you can before you step through into that mansion because it is so cool, so unique. So, I think there's certain bits you can probably mention about it. Like, um, the, the queue line is really nicely themed. Um, they've had the you know, the load the boats and they have the dock. That's a really nice area. Did you like that area? Sorry, I just knocked my water over. Yeah, <laughs> I did. No, yes, I absolutely adored that area. That's it's, uh, it's great. They have the lighting with all the lamps and everything. It's really nice. I think from from my side, um, the issue with UK theme parks, we've got loads of imagination. Some of our our, our theme parks uh, are really unique, and we we bring some of you know the the architecture that we've 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 got, which is hundreds of years old into the mix like with Alton Towers and that's brilliant I think the, the problem with the UK is that the weather often isn't very good it makes it very hard to plan a theme park day especially if you're you know you're going with kids you need to pack umbrellas you need to pack for uh, all eventualities and I think the other thing is is a space thing so in a lot of other countries there's a bit more space they they can they can they can build more adventurous things as less you know probably less worries about noise complaints and things oftentimes it feels like our our theme parks are are hidden away or tucked away somewhere and i think that like when i went to to gardaland in italy um i was going up uh Black it was Oblivion Black Hole. I'm not sure if it was Oblivion Black Hole or just Oblivion, but their their version yeah, of it. And it uh, was, Oblivion the Black Hole there. Yeah, it was it was a, an excellent ride, by the way. But I got to the top of it and I looked over my, my right hand shoulder, and there was just this amazing view of Lake Garda uh, in Italy, which is one of those stunning views. It's it's amazing to see. 
and I was I was thinking to myself, you know, this this is one of those core memories. You, you you're never going to forget it, and it's the sort of thing that you just don't tend to find very often in the UK because there there would be loads of complaints about this amazing lake being being you know you'd you'd have a roller coaster in the background and that would be not good and let's not build that and it's all about heritage and I guess yeah I, I, I understand I, I understand that but I think I think some of these European parks don't have these limitations and are better for it yeah I mean if you go to to Fantasialand that's that's very definitely close to Brule. Uh, I thought it was interesting when, uh, like, if you you see my picture at the minute, there's Plopsaland there in the background. That's that's literally right in the middle of a town, pretty much. It's like you come along, and it's like there's town, train station, Plopsaland. Maybe that's why they called it that because they wanted to have a land. They wanted to plop it somewhere, and so they plopped the land. <laughs> Just plopped it there. That'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, interesting there. Heidi the ride. Because I showed you a picture, didn't I? I sent you a picture and I was there. I was like, this is the tiniest Woody ever. <laughs> like a little baby. It's got a tiny, tiny, tiny little trains. Dan, I was just having a look at um, Lake Garda because I don't think I've ever realised that stupidly that Gardenland was right next to Lake Garda. Um and it looks fantastic. I mean, it looks like one of the most beautiful, but it looks like a screensaver, for God's sake. I mean, it looks stunning. Um, do you, if you could build a theme park kind of anywhere else in Europe or perhaps somewhere in the UK in an idyllic location similar to um, like next to a lake or similar to Lake Garda, you know, where would you build it? You know, imagine there's no restrictions because there are restrictions, as you say. And I think it's a really interesting point that you brought up there saying if we didn't have restrictions, we could have these things. So let's imagine blue sky. You've got all the money in the world, all the budget in the world, and you could build a theme park next to a specific place, um, either in the UK or Europe. Where do you think could be a really idyllic and picturesque place? to have a theme park that would complement the rider and the, and the country. Morley. <laughs> Morley. Well, I've, I've said before that I would like, I'd like a theme park in Leeds. And obviously I'm massively biased because this is where I'm based. But in all seriousness, I do think we need like a, a proper, a, a, a proper theme park, a proper day out that's, you know, it's more akin to what they have overseas, both in America and in Europe, um, and in this central. Because a lot of the theme parks that we have, we have some amazing theme parks, but they're they're really like, oh, well, you know, if you live in the south, you'll go to these theme parks. If you live in the north, you'll go to these theme parks. And only uh, enthusiasts. There's more of... in the south, though. Well, exactly. There you are in England, and the north is um, sparse, shall yeah. we say. No, Are you I, really I think... talking the extremities? You'd be sort of like more over the east coast, and you've got a few smaller things. But then you you're really talking down south. You're talking past the Midlands, really. That's that's exactly my point. I, I think there needs to be a theme park that's smack bang in the middle of the nation that everyone can come to. That's you know, it's not it's not going to be a ridiculous trip out for anyone. Obviously, if you're in Scotland, so hold on there, Dan. So what what you're saying is we need to build a theme park in Barnsley then. Well, I think... If you uh, go and 
look at a map and put a pin in in the middle of England, I bet you are really near Barnsley. Yeah, I, I've, I've tried this experiment. It's basically between uh, like Ilkley Leeds area, which is is where we are, so or where I am. So I'm all for building it smack bang in the centre. And also we've got lovely Yorkshire and all of the moors and all of the green. And it's amazing around here. And I think we should show it off. And obviously we're not ever going to have that permission to do that because that would be... That would that would cause every complaint in the world, but it would be amazing. Well, Shout if you out one here, nobody would see it because we're I'm in a valley anyway. Yeah, but um, shout out though, Dan. Uh, not a lot of people know this, but Bradford was actually home to the world's first suspended roller coaster, which was called the Aerial Glide at Shipley oh, Glen. Yes. So um, yeah, we've got a bit of form. What's that, Charlie? Do you want trivia on that? Do I do I want the trivia on it? I mean, I've I've I rode it when I was a child. I rode it a lot, um, and then they tore it down. But yeah, if you've got some trivia, then that's well, that cool. that that was made by a company from uh, Lancashire, weren't they? But then they later became another company, I believe, which um were called Caripro, and and they made the suspended um one that used to be at Lightwater Valley. And they also made those ones. There's a couple in uh, in America. I think there's one at Hershey Park at the water park bit still. The oh. the suspended ones where you have the water blasters on the oh, on the ride. And yeah, you so can that... shoot people as you go around. Yeah, so that was called the the bat, I believe, at Lightwater. But I think it closed uh, the down. Bat after rider. Bat rider. That's, yeah. that's the only roller coaster that my dad's ever been on. I think. Well, it got closed down after it didn't last very long, did it? Because I think there were some interesting forces and also really, really low capacity. I think. Yeah, the cars were only like um, t- two people. I think. Uh, I don't know how many cars you could run on that. It was sort of like a, a little rail sort of runner system that it was on. Um, but yeah, I think they only ever made about three of those. There weren't many of them. Yeah, oh, it's interesting. Well, I mean, you see, my two pence on this is that I don't think there's any park in Europe that compares to... I don't know if this is a British thing, but I think Blackpool Pleasure Beach with the whole seaside and all that stuff going on, I, I don't know if I can think of somewhere in Europe that kind of compares to that. I, I mean, what, what I would kind of compare it to is a much colder, wetter version of Port Ventura. <laughs> Because Port Aventura is right next to Salou, which in a way is kind of like a hot version of Blackpool. Um, and But the difference is, is that, well, it, in fact, it's kind of similar in a way because in Blackpool, you can obviously see the big one there. You can see some of the rides. If you're in Salou, you can see Shambhala. You can see um, Hurricane Condo. Is it Hurricane Condo? Am I making that up? Hurricane Condo. That's not Bush Gardens, um, is it? Hurricane no, I think Condor? Hurricane Condo is the one that's at... Port Ventura, oh, I think. It is, yeah. Hurricane Condor. Um, you can see a bit of uh see a bit of Dragon, Dragon Town. Yeah, so so in a way it kind of compares. I mean, I really like Port Ventura, I've been there loads of times, but I'm just thinking Blackpool Pleasure Beach, when if you think about that kind of nostalgia, uh that seaside feel, I think that in particular, when I when I speak to people from America, some people talk about Alton Towers, they talk about Nemesis, etc but more people tend to talk about Blackpool Pleasure Beach. And I think it's because... People keep that... list coast for people, Nemesis, because it's a highly rated one. Obviously, the big one is world famous. 
Yeah, and I don't know if it's that Atlantic affinity, you know, because uh, I guess like if you think of like Coney Island and places like that, Myrtle Beach, kind of similar of thing is, in, in a way. And I don't know if that's it. We, we always say that the big one's better to look at. It's it's iconic to look at that that huge, even in silhouette on a night when it's all lit up. And this is because it, it's that old arrow track. Like if if you ask just a person to draw you a roller coaster, I bet nine times out of ten they're going to draw that old arrow track. I think the the thing about Blackpool which makes it iconic, Blackpool Pleasure Beach, is that when you think of Blackpool, the place, you think of two different um, sort of features most of the time. You think of the tower, and then you think of the big one, uh, and like you you can sort of imagine everything silhouetted against like a dark background of the sun setting. And like that's how I think theme parks should be. They should be part of of what makes a place, you know, a, a fantastic tourist attraction. And that's why you know Blackpool is a little bit of an exception to a lot of these rules that we have here in the UK. Uh, I think the face. I, I don't really define Blackpool as a, as a theme park. Though. It's a it's an old British amusement park. That that's sort of like really what it is. And this is why I wouldn't really liken. Blackpool Pleasure Beach to Port Aventura, because Port Aventura is definitely a theme park. It's it's um, Euro um, Universal. That's sort of way it was meant to be, because the one bit was Universal Studios. Um, if I was liking it to something in Europe, then you'd, you'd probably need to go to, like, Sweden. I'd say Groenland or Liseberg are both much more of a, an amusement park kind of we're on the coast in sort of a port. It's not really the seaside, but those, like Liseberg has a feel about it that's much more like Blackpool Pleasure Beach, particularly how it used to be. Like you can have just an entrance ticket, like if you're not riding. And on yeah, an evening a... after a certain time, they just let people in to walk around. I think that's a really good idea. I think that, that Blackpool should have that. I think it's a shame they don't. Yeah, it's a thing that's uh, it's it's really gone away in the last sort of um, three three years, you know. Um, post issues that wasn't really a thing that's ever come back into play. Because on a on a summer's evening, you know, you could imagine if you had a ticket where you could, if you had a ticket where you could, you know, just walk in and wander around the park and soak up the atmosphere and and not necessarily go on rides, but just soak up the atmosphere and eat some food and be amongst it all. I think that would that would be great, especially for um, bag holders or people that people that just want to be there to be a part of it but don't have any interest. You could definitely sell a cheaper ticket that would work. Um, I yeah, I agree with both uh, Dan and Charlie on that one, and uh, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, there's definitely some things to to think about that. I think um, you know, as someone who remembers going to Blackpool Pleasure Beach when you used to be able to go in free and you had to kind of do all the the maths with all the ticket, like will these B tickets add up to an A ticket and can I use my C tickets for whatever? Um, it, I, I would say that the park has a much better atmosphere now than it did then. I just remember it being very busy and quite dirty and a little bit on edge sometimes. I think there's a bit of middle ground there though. I think they could have a spectator ticket. Maybe you could pay 
five pounds for and you could obviously go on the train and maybe one other ride or something like the ghost train or something i don't know but um they could do something like that i think very easily and i think that would solve some of the issues that they had before i think the whole opening on an evening thing is an interesting one i think in the past in you know in the 80s and 90s people would have spent a day at the beach and then they'd have gone into pleasure beach in the evening but but these days that side of of blackpool is very quiet on an evening um so it would kind of have to be a bit of a changing culture i think to attract people in uh on an evening and 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 maybe they'll find that maybe it's not worth how much it's going to cost them in like electricity just to keep everything lit up and and running i feel like in the 90s there was a lot more late night opening i can remember a lot of times when i was a kid when we used to go there it was definitely seemed to be open late and it, it did used to be a, a fun experience to walk around with everything lit up and you know it was always full of people like you say about when you could just go and walk around because it was a spectacle and, and a gathering point you know it drew more people to the area just because of that yeah yeah definitely but i mean yeah I, i've said before that i think there's a middle ground there and it's something that pleasure each need to think about but Good. Okay, so uh, before we wrap up, though, um, Dan raised with us prior to the recording an interesting question around going to theme parks alone. Um, Dan is going to Florida later this year, and that will coincide with Halloween Horror Nights. But Dan also has young children, which not doesn't really work alongside Halloween Horror Nights. And Dan's kind of considering should i or shouldn't i go to halloween horror nights on my own should i go into a theme park on my own charlie and sam i think you've definitely been in theme parks on your own i i've been in theme parks on my own um i spent a bit of time in disneyland paris on my own on my, on my last trip as well and i found it really very freeing actually like because i could just think in my own head and there was no compromise over what i was going to do and i had some night rides on on thunder mountain the best thunder mountain at, at Disneyland Paris. So, um, Sam, like, what what message would you give to Dan in terms of should he go to a theme park on his own or should he go to Halloween Horror Nights on his own? So, yeah, I would say, um, in all honesty, do it. Do it because, you know, I went to uh, Disneyland in uh, California uh, by myself for a solo trip and I never once felt... Um, weird or lonely or strange because ultimately um you can as, as you said ryan you can decide what you want to do on your own time um and also you can talk to people that you always find especially in theme parks um abroad as well and especially uh in orlando because there's people from all over the world everyone will, will talk to everyone so you can chat to people in the queue you can chat to people on the ride it's great it's great so um, I w really wouldn't be put off by going by yourself uh, and feeling lonely um, because it's just, especially Halloween Horror Nights, because you're going to be around so many other people, um, it really is a, a case of just uh, going up and talking to people or nine times out of ten people will end up uh, starting conversation with you um, in a queue line or on a maze or as you sit down on a ride. Um, and then everything else is is really easy, you know, going for food or, or going about your day. So I would definitely say do it. And I think you'll find it a very liberating experience. Yeah, I think the, 
going to a theme park like solo it doesn't doesn't strike me as as like a weird thing to do uh, i think halloween horror nights is a little bit different because i think a lot of people they go as a bit of like you know it's going to be a bit a bit of a, a fun edgy experience i'll go with a, a group of friends and when i went there last i was i was meeting a group of friends who who'd uh, gone to to orlando from australia and we were sort of meeting in the middle uh and it it was a good experience i think partially because we were playing off off like the, the the shocks and the scares and people screaming at different times and things and i just didn't know whether it was worth booking for a solo sort of fright night when it is is sort of it, I, I don't know it feels to me more like it it it's it's oriented towards groups and less towards solo visitors uh, but that might just be me. I, I've, I've only been once. I might be misjudging, basically. I don't know. Uh, I've done Halloween as a solo one before. Um, the last time I did a Euro trip, I went, when I went to uh, Wallaby in Holland, it was their Halloween one. And, um, I mean, that was fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, pe- people always talk to you in a theme park. I mean, if you stood in a queue for quite a while which you probably will be on an halloween like if it's an event places tend to be busier then yeah people are you're gonna end up talking to people it's it's not really a problem plus in america you know they all speak english so it's not quite the same as in europe and the americans love chinese people particularly brits they'll just be there like oh we love your accent so I, i don't think you'll have any problems no so i think that's i think that's a fun thumbs up dan so i think the next time we do the podcast, I think you should tell us that you've booked Halloween Horror Nights. I'm personally waiting for the frequent fear passes to go live because we're staying at Universal. So I'm thinking maybe we'll go maybe a couple of times at least, but we'll we'll see what happens. But anyway, so um, we're at the end. So we're going to start wrapping up now. So before we do wrap up, um, Charlie, you're the uh, guest today from Go Theme Parks. Do you want to tell everyone where people can find you thank you ryan well i i am charlie from go theme parks uh i go all over the place i've just been on a big trip to europe uh, i've been to movie park in germany then i did uh bobby ann land that's an odd one to say isn't it bobby ann land mr bobby ann we're a country singer i believe uh that were in belgium then i in belgium again went to wallaby then i park asterix uh, in France, down near Paris. Uh, then I went up to Plopsland, and then uh, to the Netherlands, and I went to uh, Toverland, and then I did Fantasialand as well. So you, you can check all of that out on uh, my YouTube channel, which is Go Theme Parks on YouTube. You can also find me on Instagram, that's Go Theme Park. And uh, I've got a Facebook as well, that's Go Theme Park. It's got a page and a group and everything. You can go and join that if you want. But yeah, be really nice if you want to check out some of my stuff. Uh, you'll be able to have a first-hand look at all the parks then across Europe that I've been to visit, uh, also any of the other ones I've done in the past. You know, it's, uh, it'd be great to see you over there. Perfect. And uh, Dan, tell us a little bit about where people can find you. Yeah, so I'm on Air Club. Um, I'm mostly on YouTube, on Instagram and TikTok. Um, currently... Um, the YouTube channel only has the one video, but it's doing really well. Uh, where I think the next milestone is twenty-five thousand views, which is is going all right for our first attempt. 
Uh, and we've got more videos plugged in to film this month, which is going to get really interesting. Um, and yeah, it, it, we're, we're doing well. I think the future looks really bright for the channel. So come over uh, and, uh, and and leave a comment. Check it out. And uh, Sam, where can people find you? Yep, absolutely. So if you want to see more of my stuff, you can head on over to at Coaster Sam blog on Instagram. Um, and the, the, the link to the blog is actually there. I kind of release articles and reviews. Um, and uh, I've actually just done, as of today, a recent review of the brand new Manta Coaster at SeaWorld Abu Dhabi. So have a look at that and, um, and please follow along. And is the offer still open to DM and chill with you, or is that off the table now completely at the moment? <laughs> I can't believe we're still bringing this up from about <laughs> four years ago. Uh, so for context, if you're new, I once made a very just awful thing to be like, yeah, we can DM and chill, and uh, that's just the strangest thing to say on a podcast. And that was about when we first started this, or I first came on at least back in 2020, um so uh and i'm still not hearing the end of it now so yeah <laughs> definitely, that, definitely that's the usp of the of the entire podcast is we we never let go of anything anyone ever ever says <laughs> no no that's 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 very true we we definitely do not uh let anything go do we and and here's the evidence fantastic there we go oh, yes. <laughs> There we go. There we go. There we go. Brilliant. Okay. Well, Theme Park Loopy, find us on Instagram, Twitter, on uh, YouTube, and Facebook. Uh, we also have a website. You can find us at themeparkloopy.com. So come and find us. Come and follow. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, then make sure you've clicked the follow or the subscribe button. Um, and also, if you enjoy the podcast, then feel free to leave us a leave. Feel free to leave us a rating or a review. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us and we'll see you again real soon.